1: Woohoo! Hey everybody, how's it going? You are listening to the Command Zone, your premier destination for all that EDH commander stuff. I'm your host Jimmy Wong. How's it It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today we're going back to the Archetype series. All right.
2: Woo-hoo. The very popular Archetype series Our very Token. Popular. Yeah, our Token episode was popular. Also, we're speaking from the
1: Wait, we're speaking from the past. We're speaking from the past, but we're gonna you're gonna hear this in the future. So we're we're in the future. Yeah, normally we record this show the Thursday before the week of the show releases, so we'll record on Thursday and then we release two shows Tuesday and Thursday. However, Josh is currently out of the country. Right now I'm probably drinking some sort of Asian
2: cocktail with my feet up on the balcony of our cruise ship. Dang.
0: That's what I'm assuming I'm doing, reading
2: a book
1: that was recommended to me by the listeners of the show. I just lost all inspiration to continue the show. (laughs) I just want to do that. Oh my gosh, it sounds amazing. Um, Yeah, so we're recording a bunch of episodes in advance, so if we miss out on something... Something major happens between now and then, uh, like the zombie apocalypse starts, and we don't make a ghoul caller geese joke or something. This is why because is we, why, don't yeah. 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 we don't know about it yet. Yeah, we don't know about it yet. Yeah, we do know about it. We just haven't gone back and recorded. <laughs> we also don't know what to name this show. Yeah, uh, last yeah. So Josh said last week it was Token Talk TT. It was nice, it got a little li- alliteration in yeah. there. Yeah. So v- ven- venerable Voltron. <laughs> you almost said vanilla Voltron. Yeah, that one sounds bad. Yeah. Viable Voltron. Viable Voltron. I, but yeah, she's like, yeah, it's viable. Uh, Voltron Vocab, but then it just sounds like we're taking a test. Voltron Vacation. Yeah, well, it's because you're on vacation. Yeah, exactly. Oh That's gosh. why that appeals to me. If you guys can think of a better title for this, we'll totally go back and retrofit all of it with, <laughs> with your title. So leave a comment if you have a better V word that goes with Voltron. How it about is- like, could you do it not V so it's like Voltron Conversation? Oh, Voltron, Voltron, Convoltron, Convoltron, Convoltron! It just goes on forever. It yeah, just gets stuck in an infinite loop. <laughs> <laughs> like
2: no, hey, it's EDH. We go infinite sometimes yeah, on accident. <laughs> on, Whoops! I
1: just, I just went infinite <laughs> on accident. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> let us know if you guys have a better name for today's show. Um, our show is on YouTube. If you guys are listening do not know that, uh, we are we are we're on it now. We get like the video version of the show up minutes after. Yeah, sometimes it's at
2: the same time. It's it's. Rarely a little bit after, but same day. We get quite a decent amount of views there. We're trying to get our subscriber numbers up. Just, Mm -hmm. again, for the same reasons we want iTunes reviews and all the exposure for the show. It just... Brings more eyeballs,
1: which brings more sponsors and more prizes to give away and just
2: makes us look better in the eyes of
1: wizards. It helps everybody. Yeah. And what can we say? We want to get our sub count up enough so we can ask the Manasaurus and Talarian College if they want to maybe collab. Oh,
2: maybe. That was-
1: <laughs> yeah, because they would never collab with us otherwise, never. except for the other four or five times we have already done it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So check it out. You can go to youtube.com slash the command zone podcast uh, and see all our videos there. And of course, there's card images and all that good stuff. Okay, so let's just jump right
2: in here. This is going to be, again, the archetype series. Last time we talked about tokens as an archetype. This time we're talking about Voltron as an archetype. So I
1: guess the first question, Jimmy, is what is Voltron? Voltron was a very popular show uh, back in the day. Voltron Defender of the Universe. It was about a group of, uh, I guess... Lion shaped spaceships. Yeah, that could form together in space to become this giant, awesome, like, super mega robot. That had a sweet sword. It's what every kid dreams of. Yeah. It's like, it's Transformers. It's if all the Transformers, like, hopped onto each other and created a mega Transformer. In fact, they had Transformers that did that. Yeah, exactly. And remember, you could buy toys, too, and, like, would get them at McDonald's, and you could put them together over the course of weeks and stuff. Um, So Voltron, uh, when it comes to EDH, is about suiting up a general uh, to kill someone with commander damage and by giving them all the sweet equipment and making them super buff as the original Voltron, Defender of the Universe, was.
2: Right. It's about making one big threat. Yeah. So all your cards sort of pile on to one card in, in some manner
1: to make that one card, like, extremely dangerous. Yeah, extremely dangerous, hard to deal with, hexproof, uh, indestructible, all that good stuff. And uh, if you guys do not know, you probably should at this point, uh, you can kill someone in EDH by giving them 21 commander damage. So that is the main idea behind Voltron, usually, is to make your commander just kill someone by having that specific card do 21 damage to them. Uh, and it doesn't matter if their life total is a billion at that point. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Uh,
2: one thing I really like about Voltron is that it's a uniquely EDH archetype. Yeah. It doesn't really exist in the other formats. Um, in, in Legacy and in Modern and Standard, it's not usually very smart to just put all your eggs in one basket this way. Uh, and also, they don't have commander damage, so it doesn't do what it does in our format. So it's something that's very, very commander EDH-centric. You only see yeah. it in our format. Uh, that That's one of
1: the things that makes it fun is because that's the place you can do it. Yeah, and one of the big things, too, is that a lot of the th- cards that make Voltron really viable uh, are not, legal in a lot of other formats um like really broken equipment is usually banned across the board in all the other formats because umazawa's jit is just like you can't you can't even yeah jit jit jitty umazawa's jitty (laughs) (laughs) pretty sure that's correct yeah pretty sure uh and also i it's actually standard kind of has heroic is the closest they'd have right but But again that's on
2: multiple creatures
1: It's not like they take like 12 enchantments and pile it on one
2: dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with Bestow, you could sort of start
1: to do that a little bit, but yeah. it's. it's Bestow, Boggles gets there a little bit with Daybreak, Coronet, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in general, it's usually not a good idea because if, let's say, you pile a ton of stuff onto one creature and someone's just like, I kill it, then you're down a lot of time, mana, resources, cards. It's and... just bad on all levels. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But EDH makes that viable uh, because this is a really effective way to end the game. So let's talk about upsides. And uh, downsides and just what we like about Voltron. So, the three Fs. Ooh, here we go. It's fast. So,
2: Voltron's generals are usually lower casting costs, usually Mm -hmm. around four, uh, because it's an aggro strategy. So, you want to be attacking. Yep. You know, Voltron decks are often the decks that sort of like can KO a player on turn five, six-ish you know, with a good draw maybe earlier. Yeah. Yeah, and that appeals to people because, you know, if you want to be doing stuff aggressively, Voltron deck's a really good way to go.
1: Yeah, it's way better than just making a ton of creatures and attacking because it's like you still got to get them from 40 to zero, but getting someone from 21 to zero is way easier.
2: Yeah, and that's the other thing is it's really taking advantage of that commander damage rule, whereas there's a lot of decks that don't. They're going to do 40 damage to you. Their commander's not actually going to do any commander damage to you, like Nekusar. Nekusar's not going to attack you very often, it's mostly going to be, you know, dealing damage to you another way, which is not commander damage. Yep. Um, the next F is flashy.
1: Flashy, yeah. It's definitely in in both the mechanic flash, It I'm sure is actually that a lot of stuff that has flash is good in these decks because this deck can kill you out of nowhere. It just comes out of, like, it's like I swing, and then they're like, uh no blocks yeah and you're like and then two boom, spells boom. later yeah a combination of a couple of things and all of a sudden you're double striking and your team are battle raging you're doing whatever and you just end up killing someone without them being able to do anything um yeah if if this deck was a boxer
2: it's mike tyson yeah you know if voltron was a bike boxer it's mike tyson because it's like don't blink it could knock you out at any moment
1: yeah yeah it you won't see the hook coming before yeah. it, it connects. Um, yeah it's definitely flashy and your commander is the main part of your deck which i think is really appealing to a lot of players as well because if you're building around those colors the color identity of your commander and the ability of the commander having your commander be the one that's going to end the game for you is really cool too
2: and i think the tuck rule change oh yeah really helped this deck a lot because you're right voltron decks are very commander centric like i mean the your commander card not the format and that's really appealing to a lot of people that's the flashy thing they want to do is they want to play Rafik and swing at you for mm-hmm. a thousand
1: yeah i think that's actually really similar to certain video games in current life right now like league of legends yeah. you play a champion that is your specific person that you choose and it's just you you know you're not like controlling an it's army. not like starcraft yeah, where you're like starcraft. yeah exactly yeah, definitely. uh
2: and the last the last f is focused so voltron decks aren't trying to do like a bunch of stuff they're not usually toolbox yeah decks right they're like, they're gonna make a big dude and hit you with it. And it's not that they're not gonna ever interact with their opponent's stuff, but it's not their priority. A lot of their ways to deal with their opponent doing stuff is to kill that opponent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good. It has a plan. Yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, it's a very simple plan. And you wrote, it's not just a good stuff deck, and that's true. It's not trying to sit there and be like, I'm gonna tap these things to untap this, make this mana, and draw five cards. And gain two life. Yeah, it's not about
2: like, oh, and I'm, and I'm gonna recur this from my graveyard four times and accrue yeah. value over time. And, and no,
1: it's like my dude has twenty seven power. He swings at you. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Oh, right, unblockable. Yeah. Okay, good. Game over. um However, as you might be able to tell, there are also lots of downsides here, uh and these are the three S's. Three S's. Very nice. You, uh, Josh formatted this episode, and he. Uh, I work in marketing. What do you want from me? <laughs> there you go. Um, the first S uh, is spendy. So a lot of the cards and the most powerful cards for these decks are expensive, not in mana costs, but actual cost of the card. Um, equipment is very important to all Voltron decks because that's one of the easiest, most visible ways to get some, a power up. And to...
2: it's, it's a lot of times preferable to enchantments because when the creature dies, the equipment often stays. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of your most powerful cards will be – Equipment, which means this first one, Stoneforge Mystic, is something you really want, but man, that card's expensive.
1: Yeah, because it's really cheap to play. You can play it on turn two and get any equipment out of your deck that you want. Uh, Because sometimes you're fetching out the Sword of series, and based on the colors of your opponents, you're going to want to find the sword that gives you protection from someone that you're trying to kill. So Stoneforge Mystic is like... Is essentially another tutor that can also cheat out the cards without having to pay their mana cost. She can put a batter skull onto the battlefield for just two mana. It's like it's There's crazy. so much stuff that she can do. So it's one insane. of the more
2: powerful cards in the history of Magic. Yeah, exactly. And it's played in Legacy, and therefore that's why it's so expensive. Speaking of the Swords of... They're yeah. all mostly very,
1: very expensive also. Yeah, and the really good ones are really good for a reason. Like, uh, they'll let you untap your lands after you connect. You mm-hmm. know, there's lots feast of... Feast and pl- Famine. Feast and Famine, yeah, yeah. They let you
2: draw cards. They make opponents draw cards. They do crazy things. They're all very good. Yeah,
1: they'll do damage to an opponent based on the cards in their hand. It, they just all have great value, and they're all very pretty relatively cheap uh, to cast. But not, not cheap to, to buy. Not cheap to buy, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh,
2: and then things like Enlightened Tutor. The things that let you go find the specific enchantments or whatever you need. Yeah. And often this deck has cards. There's a toolboxy aspect in that you want to go get the card that's gives you the protection from this specific opponent's color or whatever. Right. So Enlightened Tutor, Academy, Rector, those types of things, not cheap cards. Yeah, not cheap at all. Uh there uh, the second S of the downside of Voltron is it's scary. These are the the generals that get listed the most often, I'd say, as far as the Cause they even call it the Rafiq problem right the Rafiq problem if you haven't heard means the problem that when I play this commander I haven't before anything's happened in the game people just see Rafiq in my command zone I'm already the number one target because Rafiq himself is
1: scary yeah it's not like playing a five color deck where no one knows what the deck's about Rafiq is terrifying and he's one of those generals that can KO you on turn four or turn five if you're not careful
2: and that's why often people see it and they're like well I have to I have to go against that player because my best chance to beat Rafiq is to grind my heel into him early.
1: Yeah, and not just you. like Everyone at the yeah. table will gladly find the first target to focus on. Um, so, yeah, it, the generals that usually get played, like Shuyun, Sigarda, it, all these generals are people yeah, look at real. them immediately and go, like, oh, yeah, this is, this is a problem. And it's very hard for someone to look at the card and disagree with the person trying to say that.
2: Yeah, there's not a lot of, like, ex- extraneous, like – calculations they have to make they look at it and go well that thing just swings at me really hard it's (laughs) not hard to calculate it you know it's not like nekusar where you're like okay i draw an extra card every turn he he does damage to me that's going to take the well according to right now my clock's 20 turns not that bad you know Rafik is like oh he kills me in three hits
1: yeah yeah it it is very blatant what a lot of the uh, voltron commanders do which is smack face um one nice thing you can do, though, is if you are not the Voltron player, you can team up with them and point them in the direction you want them to go. Well, that's something I'd, I'd say when there's four players. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're playing Rafiq,
2: uh, you can often be 3v1 sort of by default because they're scared of your general. But if if one of those other three players is smart, it's better to be maybe on your side pointing you at those other two guys Yeah, than it is to be the third
1: wheel in an alliance that's already formed. So... Use your politics. Yeah, definitely use your politics. Uh, the third S of the downside of Voltron is Solo, Han Solo. Uh, yeah, you're you're on your own, buddy. It's just, it's not that you as
2: a player are on your own. It's that your commander is often on their own. Yeah. It's like eggs, meat, basket. Just, we're going all in. There's no plan B. We are my general. I'm going to suit him up or her with a ton of stuff,
1: and I hope they get there. Yeah, and it is a little sucky sometimes because it is easy to just get rid or counter the general that's causing the problem. So it's easy to get set back with these decks, for sure.
2: Yeah, if you don't play and sequence right and get sort of decent draws, it can be hard to sort of keep that general out there. Yeah, Uh, definitely. Especially, you know, often you can KO one person, but it's the next two that are hard because they've had the time while you're taking out that first person to get ready for you. And it's a lot harder on turn 8, 9, 10 for Voltron to still be as effective as it is on turn 5, 6, 7.
1: Yeah, it's way harder also to be one Voltron player in a group of three other control players, for yeah, instance. Yeah, like You're sure. going to have a real bad time. But if everyone's aggressive, then you're in for a very different game, and it might come out in your favor totally. So, yep you know, lots of ups and downs here.
2: Okay, so let's talk about the cards that are going to go in your 99. We'll talk about the commanders themselves uh, a little bit later. We're going to talk about cards in your deck now. Yeah. Um, There are three things that all Voltron decks need. Similar to how token decks needed token generation, token pumping, and exploiting the tokens, Voltron decks have sort of three categories that their cards generally fall into. Um, we're not going to talk about card draw, mana ramp, things that are in every deck. Right, those the, are, of course. Of course, you still need that stuff. Don't forget it. This is the stuff that's unique to Voltron decks, um, or maybe not completely unique, but these are the pillars upon which the Voltron deck is built.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: So the first category is
1: evasion. Ooh, so why is evasion important? Well, when we mean evasion, it's not like they're dodging damage. We're saying you need to find ways to get your damage in. Right, your creature evades blockers. Yes. Uh, So this is incredibly important because this is, in general, the way that you're going to be able to kill someone else is by being able to get your damage through. Because otherwise... They stick a 1-1 token in front of your general, and if they don't have trample, it doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, or they just chump block with uh, Moldrifter, which they already drew two cards off of, so who cares? Yeah, you need a way to guarantee that your general hits them. Because Definitely. the worst thing in the world is I pile and my make my general
1: like be able to hit for 27 damage, but doesn't matter. They can block with their 2-2. Yeah, so some great cards. Whisper Silk Cloak uh, gives your guy Shroud and also the ability to be unblockable. Yep. Pretty good. Uh, Rancor is an incredible enchantment because it's one that gets around the bad parts of being an enchantment, which is it finds a way to return its way to your hand. So every time Rancor is put into the graveyard, you put it back into your hand. Uh, and it just gives a creature plus 2, plus 0, and trample.
2: Yep, it's an enchantment. Uh, and trample, I think people don't really th- necessarily consider it evasion, but it is. It's a form of evasion. It's yeah. a way that it's hard to block. A 1-1 one, one can't block a ten ten that has trample. I mean, it can, but it doesn't actually do that much.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's going to incentivize your opponent to actually have to put real creatures in front of it uh, if they want to stop the trample damage from coming over. Um, and that's why something like... Double Strike with Trample is so important, too. Um, There's also cards like Thassa, God of the Sea. You want to read her?
2: Yeah. She is two and a blue for a legendary enchantment creature. God, she's a 5-5, indestructible. As long as your devotion to blue is less than five, Thassa isn't a creature. She says at the beginning of her upkeep, Scry 1, which is nice, but not Mm -hmm. the... The salient detail here is uh, pay one in a blue target creature you control
1: can't be blocked to this turn. So Yeah, and that's really cheap, yep. two mana, because Rogue's Passage, a land that does the same thing, costs four to activate. And you it to really costs
2: it. five because you have to tap, tap the Rogue's Passage also. Yeah. Um, yep. And Thassa is like an enchant- indestructible enchantment that does this. Very hard to get rid of. Once you play Thassa out, you're just basically going to be able to make something unblockable for like the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, It's just hard to remove Thassa. Yep, yep. Uh, and there's occasionally instant speed evasion tricks. Yeah, but... you'll see this in Shuyun sometimes, and I think it's a decent idea to have one or two of these even in like, you know, your quote-unquote Rafiq-style decks. Yeah, it's like your trump card. You,
1: people don't see it coming usually.
2: Or and if they know it's in there, they do have to account for it, even if you don't have it. So mm-hmm. it's good to have that ability and let it be known you have it. So things like, I don't know, Artful Dodge is one. Uh, just instants and sorceries that make your guy usually instants better, but that make your commander unblockable just until end of turn. Or yeah, or some have rebounds, so they sort of do it for two turns. You do it for but, two, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: there's you put Shadow Rift here, which is hilarious because it doesn't give them unblockable; it gives them shadow, shadow and yeah. <laughs> like. I'll be surprised if I find a creature with shadow on the battlefield when I'm playing commander. I mean, you, if you do that, you can always attack somebody. Yeah, exactly. And the nice thing about Shadow Rift is it's an instant, and you get to draw a card as well. Yes. Um, so, yeah, those cards are way better in decks like Shuyun, who's wanting to cast spells to activate his ability to begin with. Uh, another thing that all all Voltron decks need in the 99, we have power. Power! Power overwhelming. Yes. Uh, by power, we just mean ways to increase the power. Make, <laughs> Make them commander. hit hard. Yeah. Uh, uh, a very simple one
2: is Bone Splitter. Uh, it was in the first Modern Masters. It's an equipment. It costs one to put out. It gives plus two, plus O, oh, and it costs one to equip. So super cheap uh, for a pretty decent power boost. It's not the greatest card. I'm not saying it goes in every Voltron deck, but this is sort of a... Uh, Flagship type of card, yeah, definitely
1: bumps power. It's cheap. Yep, Uh, Eldrazi conscription is probably like the biggest, baddest enchantment or you could throw on something. It costs eight mana, but enchant creature gets plus ten, plus ten, trample, and annihilator two. Uh, Uh. So this is like a way to just be like, hey, I have eight mana. If you can't deal with this now, guess what? Game's over because plus ten, plus ten is huge, Uh, and it has trample and annihilator two. So you're basically I mean, this is, I'd say, probably the highest risk play, is using an aura on a creature, because if someone removes the creature in response, if it's not already hexproof or shrouded... Yep. Or actually, you can not do this if Couldn't it be shrouded. shrouded yeah. Yeah. If it wasn't already hexproof, then it would just disappear. So Eldrazi Conscription is great, but dangerous. But if you land it, somebody's dead. Oh yeah, definitely. They are gone forever. <laughs> uh, the next one on the list is, we
2: mentioned earlier, it's Umazawa's Jite. It's... Two mana for a legendary artifact equipment. It says, whenever equipped creature deals combat damage, put two charge counters on Umazawa Remove a charge counter, and you can choose one of these. Either equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, or target creature gets negative one, negative one, or you gain two life, and then you can equip it for, at a cost of
1: two. This is insane. It's banned in... Every format, yeah, except for EDH. Is it banned in Legacy? It's definitely banned in Modern... I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) It's really good because the remove a charge counter ability is at instant speed. So you can do it uh, whenever you want in response to something to give a creature plus two, plus two, or to just kill another creature by giving it minus one, minus one, or removing multiple counters to give it minus two, minus two, et cetera, et cetera. Um, It's great with Rafik because Rafik's ability has double strike in it. um, And double strike is incredibly powerful with the gta because it's not deals combat damage to a player it's just combat damage so if Rafik just hits something twice you're going to put two charge counters on it and you can actually hit someone with first strike damage and then remove a charge counter because the first strike damage goes there before the actual combat damage happens so there's a lot of tricky things you can do with the gta it's a very good card for yeah
2: anything that's banned in its format is which it's banned in modern i just checked um is gonna be very. It's like Skull clamp, right? Which is one of the most powerful cards
1: in EDH. Uh, this card is just bonkers broken. Yeah, and it, it would just completely morph uh, the set. Or I mean the the format if it was legal in modern.
2: Yeah, for sure. Every deck would have to play it. It's kind of crazy. Um, yeah. Some some instant it's and legal sorcery legacy. Just so you guys
1: know, it is. Yeah, because legacy legacy is crazy. Of pro- yeah, there's some the crazy stuff.
2: stuff. Uh, so as far as instants and sorceries that fit into the same category, it's just your basic pump spells like Brute Force. Yeah. Uh, even uh, Become Immense is a big one you wrote down, which I, I like. These are just spells that give plus X, plus X, plus five, plus five, plus seven, plus seven, mm-hmm. plus three, plus three. Again, it's nice to have a couple of these in a Voltron deck just so they have to calculate it.
0: They have to yeah. know,
2: like, man, Rafik's coming in, and according to the math I see on board, I could take a hit or two. But if they have, if they have
1: Brute Force... All of a sudden, I'm taking six more, and I'm just dead. Yeah, and a lot of times, uh, these Voltron decks do have that problem where it's like, oh, if I could just get a tiny bit more damage in, I would just completely close this game out. Yep. And even though you're essentially using a card and putting yourself at card disadvantage, if you're able to kill a uh, player because of that card you played, then it's totally worth it. Yeah, I I
2: like having that
1: option just a little bit.
2: Let's talk about... We'll pause here because there is one more category that all Voltron decks need. But within the power category, we wanted to stop and talk about the magic number. So 21 is the magic number. It's the number at which that amount of commander damage to a
1: player kills them, knocks them out. Yep. And specifically, damage from the card that is your commander in the game. So even if it's flipped upside down. Yeah, if it's manifested it still counts as commander damage because that card is special. It glows, you can't tuck it into your deck, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, yeah, if they know, Ixodron
2: it, it still will deal commander damage. Um, this is a very important thing, and and the number 21 is something I want you to think about when you're building your Voltron decks and you're mm-hmm. playing them. Each Voltron commander has a different starting power. They have different abilities, like Uriel will get like bonuses based on the enchantments that are on him and, and stuff like that, and so what happens is you need to be aware of what your clock is a lot more in a Voltron deck. And and we talked about clock in the lingo episode, but just mm-hmm. to go over it here again, it's how many hits it will take to KO somebody.
1: Yeah, or in the reverse, how many hits it's going to take for someone to KO you. Or, right. Or, you know, what's my clock? Uh, if I don't do anything, my clock is one turn because they can just swing out and kill me next turn. So that right. Sort of thing.
2: So let's talk about, say, Rafik. Rafiq, Rafiq uh, basically has Double Strike. We're not gonna. I won't read the whole card, but so Rafik is a three three. Mm-hmm. So he basically hits for six on his own. Uh, well, on his own he has exalted. Oh, so right. He so he's a four four. four so so he he's in for eight. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a three turn clock mm-hmm. because he's gonna get hit for eight three times. That's twenty four damage. You're dead. Yep. Now, if you put bone splitters on him, now he's hitting for twelve. Yeesh. Because he, he gets two extra power, and he yep. has double strike. This is a 5-3, so he hits for
1: 6-4, and so he hits for 12. 12, and
2: that's a two-turn clock. Yeah. But if you gave him just plus one, plus one, now he's hitting for... 10, and then 20. And then a, it's still a three-turn clock, right? Yeah. So getting him to 10 power doesn't actually help you that much. You need to get him... Or, sorry, getting him to do 10 damage a turn doesn't help you that much. You need him to get him above 10 damage per turn to lower the clock by one. Yeah. So keeping track of this math and thinking about what the power of your commander is, is important for the cards that you choose and how much power you want the, the, to pump them by. Because, like I said, there's going to be these thresholds. Mm-hmm. Like, you want seven, because that's three-turn clock. You want 11, because that's a two-turn two turn clock. clock. Or you want above 21, because <laughs> a that's single. a one-turn clock.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it's way more important the turns in a Voltron deck than it, it might be for, like, a control deck. A control deck can maybe give or take a turn or two. You yeah, know, being like, oh, I messed up. I'm a turn behind. It's okay. I have the ability to recover from this. Voltron, if you are hitting for six each time and you get up to 18 and you have to do it another time to kill someone, you're not going to be in a good spot because it just means that, I mean, what's the chances of you still having a commander on the board, someone having an answer by that point? You are running on your own clock, so you have to really make sure that you are able to kill someone in the right amount of turns.
2: Yeah, in the most in the quickest, most efficient way possible. Because you're right, you'll probably still get that player that you're after first. Yeah, it's the third player down the line that you're also going to have to somehow KO to win the game. He got two or three extra turns out of it, which is an extra fog, an extra wrath, an extra cyclonic rift, something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's just something I wanted to mention. We wanted to talk about because. So just keep in mind
1: those numbers, 7, 11, 21. Yep, so make sure you guys know about that, the magic number 21 commander damage. All right, the final thing that uh, all Voltron decks need, protection. And we've mentioned this uh, just in passing already in the episode, but it should make sense. If you're trying to suit up one person to be just the most badass dude, it's dudette on the field, you can't let them die. You need to protect yeah, them. you yeah. need to protect them because paying the commander tax on them and then having to wait if they don't have haste is really killer in a deck like this.
2: And, you know, you might lose all the enchantments on them and also just suiting up the two or three equipments might be expensive. Like, talk about clock. It will set you back, like, getting them killed once or exiled once or whatever can set you back like three turns, in which yeah. case you might not even be able to
1: win at that point. Yeah, especially if your deck doesn't even have that many other creatures. So they can all just, everyone can just turn and prey on you because of your your folly. Yep. So um,
2: the first one in this category, we've talked about these two equipments in conjunction many times, Lightning Greaves and Swiftfoot Boots. Um, they both give haste, and then Lightning Greaves gives shroud and Swiftfoot Boots gives hexproof yeah and they're yeah and they're very cheap to equip and put down on the battlefield as well and Um, haste is a form of protection i feel like yeah it's it's not a form of evasion but it's a form of protection because if you think about it what you're doing with haste is you're playing it and using it on the same term and on the same turn and so it's not as
1: vulnerable as it would be if you played it said go and had to wait till next turn to use it Yeah, exactly, and you can play something out of your hand and have, you know, at the right time when someone's tapped out and be like, perfect, I know that they would not be able to deal with this if I played this earlier, like, now that it has haste. um, Or even just like, hey, I have enough mana to cast uh, a two mana Lightning Greaves and my general, and it Mm -hmm. costs zero to equip, so they don't even know that you have the ability to grant them haste, so they may not be playing around it, so that's also why it's really important. Yeah, for sure. Um, You want to read the next one? Oh, yeah, Shield of the Oversoul. Um, Shield of the Oversoul is an enchantment aura that's two and, uh, not Boros, two and uh, Selesnia, so it's green or white. I don't know why I said Boros. It's just my, my inner red in me. <laughs> uh, enchant creature, as long as enchant creature is green, it gets plus one, plus one, and is indestructible. If its toughness is zero or less, that means it does not get put into uh, the, the graveyard. So, like, if you do five damage to a five toughness creature, it stays alive. It's indestructible. And as long as enchant creature is white, it gets plus one, plus one, and has flying. Whoa. Pretty good.
2: So it gives evasion, it gives a power boost, but most importantly, this card gives indestructible.
1: Yeah. And it's for three mana and a lot of the good uh commanders are green and white for yep. Voltron. So this is like we just won those awesome includes in a lot of decks. It's also a dollar uh common. So yeah, that's, very it shows cheap. how good it is.
2: Uh I don't think this next one is that's a, a common, dollar. It's Mother of Runes. Mother of Runes, Mother of Dragons. Mother of Runes. Of she's scottish and if it's not scottish it's crap <laughs> <laughs> sorry if you're from scotland that's the best i can do um <laughs> she's <cost>, pretty good <laughs> she costs one white she's a one one um she's a sorry i was gonna do something else in scottish and then i decided <laughs> against it like my brain was like start talking in scottish and the rest of my brain was like stop doing it don't that. do it don't do it yeah. josh she's a human cleric you can tap her she's target <laughs> creature em. gets control Wait, target creature you control gains protection <laughs> from the color of your choice until end of turn. Hey, it's pretty good.
1: It's not bad. Yeah, I was talking about the card, not your accent. Sorry. Oh,
2: it's pretty bad. I'm <laughs> just messing. <laughs> uh,
1: Mother of Runes is great um, just because she can come down in turn one, and she can also give protection to herself, which is really important. Yep. Um, also, protection is a form of evasion because if you give it pro-white and they only have white blockers, guess what? You can swing on through because they can't stand in your way. Um, so... She's
2: really awesome. A lot of times... Somebody plays Mother of Runes and then the next turn plays their yeah. commander, and you're like, uh oh, because I can't really take care of either one because they just tap the Mother of Runes and they basically counter my removal spell. Yeah,
1: it's one of those situations where you have to get rid of the Mother and the other creature at the same time. And if they have one thing that stops that, like a counter or whatever, then you're like, you have to team up with someone else essentially at that point.
2: Then you're hosed.
1: You're hosed. Uh, there's also Privileged Position, which um, is. It's one of those enchantments that I don't really see enough of for whatever reason. It's two and then three Selesnias, so green, white, green, white, green, white. Uh, other permanents you control can't be the targets of spells or abilities your opponents control. So it just gives every permanent you have Hexproof. Pretty crazy. Yeah, because usually when you know, like you equip uh, Swiftfoot Boots onto a general, and it's like, aha, he has Hexproof, what are you going to do? They just get rid of the Swiftfoot Boots. In this one, they have um, to give get rid of privileged position. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's like the Avicen of hexproof. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good way of putting it. And of it, course, Avicen hits you for eight, and privileged position <laughs> doesn't. But still, yeah, and it's just, it's just an angel, no problem. Um, yeah, privileged position is great. It's just one of those cards that when you play it, it just makes your opponent's life that much harder. It's just like another step they have to take before they can take you down, um, and that helps your clock because it gives you an extra turn. For example. Uh, to swing at someone and kill them before they're able to effectively stop your guy from coming in.
2: Now, some of the instant and sorcery ways, mostly instant ways to uh, fill this category, something like God's willing mm-hmm. is one white mana for an instant target creature. You control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn scry one. So it's an instant speed protection. It's basically works like a counterspell, but as you mentioned earlier, it can in a pinch make your guy unblockable. Yep by giving protection from the color of whatever creature they have and swinging in, although most of the time you're just going to hold that one
1: white mana up because you might be playing a deck that doesn't have blue and you yeah. don't really have any other way to counter a removal spell. Yeah, so God's Willing as a counter spell is great just to to make your target uh, illegal for whatever spell they're trying to cast at it. Um, counter magic is just great too. Yeah. To counter, counter. counter magic is probably the best thing Sometimes in even category. just countering their, them trying to counter your general is enough to win, you know. Yeah, or they,
2: a lot of times the answer to a Voltron general is Wrathing mm-hmm. because they make it Hexproof, Shroud, you know, Something like that, in which case you have to just do a
1: a board wiping effect to get rid of it. Right. Just probably the best way to stop a giant, huge board wipe. Yeah, it's counter magic. Yeah, is... because board wipes get around the fact that it individually can't be targeted. Like, board wipes don't care about that.
2: And so. once again, this is why I love Swan Song, and of course, mm-hmm. Pact of Negation and Force of Will are awesome, but they're expensive, uh, because so often you don't have the time to wait to play your general when you also can leave three mana up. Yeah. So it's a lot better to have the cheap casting cost um,
1: counter spells so that you can counter that wrath or whatever. Yeah, and in general, you're you're wary of the instants and sorceries with Swansong. Swan. That's what you're wary of. You're not you don't care if a creature comes down and may potentially try and kill your guy. You know that just is not as common.
2: Especially if you already have hexproof or shroud on it, then there's not very many creatures that can interact. There are some creatures that wrath,
1: but you, like you said. We don't see them that often. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the percentages. Uh, We talked about this. Oh, yeah, this is uh, interesting. Token generators versus token pumping uh, in terms of what kinds of cards you need for your token decks in the previous archetype episode.
2: Yeah, and what we came to
1: was you want a whole lot more
2: token generators than you do token pumpers. But we've got three categories. We've got evasion, power, and protection. And honestly, I'm not sure
1: how the ratios should exactly... Come out. I think it's something that is is actually very dependent Mm -hmm. on your commander. So if you're playing Rafik, one of the big parts of the deck is putting Exalted on the battlefield. So you have a lot of other creatures that have Exalted. So in this case, you're not looking to put as much protection, or you're gonna have to get rid of power or one of these categories because Rafik is powerful enough. He's gonna make your guy hit for a ton of damage. So you don't need to necessarily make his power that much bigger with tons of stuff in your deck because you have other creatures that are your Exalted triggers. Right, and we've found, just by when we were talking about earlier, Rafik only needs plus two yeah. to, to turn the clock into a three-turn clock. So that's just two, two things yeah. that give Exalted. Um, it's really interesting. I don't know. I think evasion is really important, but the nice thing is that evasion and protection usually sort of fall along the same category with Similar. The, a lot of the Whisper Silk cloak and the boots and the greaves and all that. I, it, I think you're right. It does... Matter
2: who your commander is because they will bring with them one of these categories. And that means that category doesn't have to be as robust because if you're like Rafik brings the power category. Mm -hmm. So your power category can sort of take a little bit of a hit to make the protection and the evasion part a little bit stronger because Rafik brings power. But if your commander is bringing evasion and protection, then the power category needs to be beefed up.
1: Yeah, that's why a card like Euro the Miststalker is so good is because. Ural is hexproof on the card and also gets plussed up based on all the auras, yeah, that are on him. So I'm gonna forever pronounce it Uril, Uril, because with the Scottish accent,
2: Uril. Also,
1: like in Hawaiian, it would be Uril because ukulele. Oh. Ukulele. Yeah, that's don't right. say uke, please, please. It's uke. I do say ukulele, and I started saying it as a joke because I was like, haha, ukulele, and someone was like, that's how you say it. Yeah. I was like, uh, that's what I were meant to do. I get
2: all the pronunciations wrong about everything, <laughs> but ukulele is correct, I promise. Okay, good. Just, just need to know. Thank goodness. <laughs> so let's talk about some cards that cover multiple categories because this is another way, like we always talk about, cards that like if if i need evasion power and protection well i need as many cards as i can that, that are plus power and give flying or you know give protection from a color and give plus 2 plus 2 you know the, yeah. those things really make it so that my categories can be super super robust and I, I always have all the things i need in my hand because it's not like each
1: card is doing just one thing yep exactly uh cards like angelic destiny Uh, Some cards care if you have an angel on the battlefield. Uh, Enchanted creature gets plus four, plus four has flying and first strike and is an angel. And when the creature dies, you return angelic destiny to its owner's hand. So it is giving you the evasion of being able to fly over people's heads. Some cards matter if your card's an angel, and you just have the power there, too. It's giving tons of power. Lots of things.
2: Plus, it's not going to be carded to disadvantage when they eventually destroy your commander because it's going to go to the graveyard, then back to your hand. Yeah. So that's a great thing. Um, We've talked about the swords of X and Y, so... I'll just pick Sword of Feast and Famine to talk about. So good. Yeah, it's a three-drop artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from black and from green. So we're getting power, and we're getting a protection, and, and a little bit of evasion. Yep. Yeah. And then it says, whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, that player discards a card, and you untap all lands you control. Hey. And its equip cost is two that's pretty good untapping all your lands is insane it's a mini sort of profit of crew fix type effect it's just like you get double lands yeah, on just, your turn just for that turn somebody discarding a, a card is fine it's really like covering you in a many many bases mostly it's like power form of evasion because black and green creatures will not be
1: able to block and protection because black and green spells will not be able to target yeah um, another really simple uh, one that was just reprinted in the Modern Masters set, Vines of Vastwood. A lot of decks yeah. play this. It's just one green with a kicker of another green, so you can pay two green total. Um, and target creature can't be the target of spells or abilities your your opponents control this turn, and if it was kicked, it gets a plus four, plus four. So it essentially, for the same mana cost as a titanic growth, gives it plus four, plus four, and also hexproof. Yeah, it's an instant, we should say. So it's sort of yeah. like God's Willing, except for it also gives them a huge power boost yeah so it it is doing the things you want to because you can use it on defense you can use it purely on offense you can also just cast it to give it hex proof if you don't need to give it that power and toughness boost either you know so a lot of flexibility with a really simple card um
2: rogues passage is another one we mentioned um Maybe not the best one, but it only takes a land slot yeah. in your deck. So I would say almost every Voltron deck wants Rogue's Path. Every Voltron deck, yeah, I'd say, yeah, because it does. The opportunity cost is low. If if you can't use it right now because you can't afford to, from an efficiency standpoint, mm-hmm. then you just tap it for mana. I should say Rogue's Passage, it taps for a colorless, or you tap tap it and pay four mana, and then it makes target creature unblockable. So yeah. it's kind of like a bad Thassa, <laughs> but Thassa takes. A spot in your deck whereas rose
1: passage and just... if you're not playing blue you cannot play thassa
2: oh good point really yeah, there good
1: point. Go. uh one of my favorite equipments uh sun forger uh, was also reprinted in modern masters recently it's an artifact it's a uh, three drop that costs three to equip equip creature gets plus four plus zero so already it gives a huge power boost and the best part is for uh, playing a red and a white unattached sun forger search your library for a red or white instant card with converted mana cost four or less and then play that card without paying its mana cost then Shuffle Your Library. So a lot of really good options here come to mind. For one, you can search up God's Willing in a pinch if you need to make sure your yep. guys doesn't get targeted. You can also just get a Path to Exile. Yep. You can get a ton of different red burn spells, and there's actually a couple of white uh, counterspell-esque cards that kind of break the color by a little bit. That you can search up as well. It gives you a
2: toolboxy aspect to the deck of being able to find an answer when you need it, which Voltron yeah. decks are sort of light on. And it's doing something else you want, which is making your creature hit for more. Yeah. So all very very good things. Uh, all yeah. good things. All good things. Um, we should pause here and talk about Infect. We sort of kept it in its own category. Mm-hmm. Um, Infect is very very good with Voltron decks because what the it's basically a power boost. Yeah. It's just saying like, oh, well, you can hit for the same amount you're hitting for, but now instead
1: of 21, you just got to do 10 damage. Yeah, and your deck's already built to try and do a ton of damage in one big swing.
2: So we won't go into it super deep. We did do um, an episode with our buddy Craig, who uh, if you listen to the show at all, you know he loves Infect. Mm -hmm. Um, It was episode number 62 with Glissa the Traitor Infect deck. Um, Infect, very good with... Voltron, but I think it's only good if you're you're willing to commit to it. Like one, exactly one or two infect cards, not that great. Uh, There's a couple that are high impact enough that maybe you would just play the one. But in general, you would want your deck to be heavily skewed towards infect for that to work.
1: Yeah, and if you're not heavily skewed towards Infect, then just having one equipment in there that gives Infect is not the worst because it could just be one of those, like, you know what? I need to find a different win condition. I just need to search up one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes, you know, I, I always agree, you kind of want to make your deck around it because you're trying to win in two different ways and you're trying to race everyone at the same time. Like, everyone's already not going to like you for being Voltron, so may as well just tack Infect onto it while you're at it. <laughs> That's a good philosophy. Um, Skitherex is oh, yeah. a, uh, the general that is the Infect king, queen, uh, it's just a giant plus looks sick yeah looks super sick that was uh, our background for Dragon Week yeah Skilerix the Blight Dragon it's 3 black black for a 4 four flying with infect and you can give him haste for 1 black and you can pay 2 black to regenerate Skilerix so incredibly powerful and basically if you're trying to kill someone with 21 commander damage and you can also do it for 10 and you also have other creatures in your deck that can add, add up to infect you know like you, you only need to have 3 other guys sh- hitting someone getting them to like seven infect dropping droppingskitherick giving it haste and just ending the game right there too without having yep. to boost up the commander or whatever so there's lots of really fun ways to build infect fultron all
2: right let's talk about the exciting part which is choosing your commander Ooh. the commanders fall into a, about three categories similarly mm-hmm. to the cards in the deck uh the first category of tonight yeah the first category we're talking about is heavy hitters Ooh. so these are the guys that just swing hard
1: um Rafik, we've talked about already. Yeah, we actually have a podcast uh, where we do break down Rafik. It's one of our early episodes, episode number 10, where we have a deck tech on Rafik if you guys want to check that out too.
2: Remember, it was an early episode, so don't hold out against us when you listen to it. <laughs> uh, but the deck is actually very good.
1: Yeah, it was actually um, based off of one of Craig's Infect decks because, uh, oh my gosh, it's a beating.
2: <laughs> so Rafik is one and Bant. So that's green, white, blue. For a legendary creature, Human Knight is a 3-3, has Exalted. Exalted says whenever a creature you control attacks alone, that creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. And like you were saying earlier, you often play Rafik with a lot of other Exalted creatures. Yep, and all those triggers stack up. So if there's two creatures with Exalted, it's going to get plus two, plus two for attacking alone. And Rafik also says, whenever a creature you control attacks alone, it gains double strike until end of turn. What? So it's rewarding you for following along with the game plan of Rafik. Right. So often, most of the time, you just attack with Rafik, and he's attacking alone, and he has Exalted. So even by himself, he's a 4-4 double striker. Yeah. Pretty, Which is pretty good. Pretty hardcore.
1: Shu yeah. uh, Yun does sort of the same thing. He's a 2 in the blue for a 3-2 legendary creature with prowess. Anytime you cast a non-creature spell, this creature gets plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn. And also, just like uh, Rafik is, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you may pay red, white, or red, white, so 2 total. Uh, if you do target creature gains, double strike until end of turn. So you can give Shu uh, Yun double strike with one spell that's cast. You can turn him into a four three with prowess and then double strike him up to eight. So he has a very similar idea to Rafik, which is just get a ton of power out really quickly. And,
2: and he only costs three. Yeah, so and it's he can two get in the blue.
1: It's not even like weird mana cost to get him out. Yeah,
2: and the non-creature spell you cast could be an equipment. You know, it's just, yeah, exactly. It's it's he's mean. Yeah. I mean, as far as how fast
1: he is. Yeah, prowess is very dangerous.
2: Uh, the next category of commanders. Again, we're not gonna. We got yelled at a little bit for not mentioning certain commanders in the token episodes. And oh, yeah, <laughs> we're not gonna talk about every commander. We just can't. we do just it. can't do yeah. it. there's there's just a ton. So we're just hitting the categories. So there's a lot of heavy hitting Voltron commanders. uh the next category is resilient threats. Um there's many more in this category, but we're oh, gonna yeah. talk about a couple. Sagarda, host of herons. She oh, is close to bad dreams tomorrow She like is really, really good. And I haven't seen as many Cigar decks as I would think. She's two a green and two white. Weird casting cost. That's five mana for a five five. Flying hexproof angel. Flying hexproof, so we've got protection, mm-hmm. we've got evasion. So we're already Voltron. And yeah, it's a five five. Ugh. She has an ability which is pretty unique and also combats one of the best ways to fight a Voltron deck, which mm-hmm. is why she's so strong. Spells and abilities your opponents control can't cause you to sacrifice permanence.
1: That's insane.
2: It's insane because one of the best ways to fight a Voltron deck is to just play an Edict effect or a Grave Pact effect. Because often they only have one creature, mm-hmm. and it's hexproof, and it's indestructible, and it's unblockable. And you go, oh, everybody has to sack a creature. And none of those things stop the
1: sacking of the one creature they've got. Yeah. Hexproof doesn't care. It's like, you must sacrifice. Like, ah, poop. So Cigardi gets around that. And there have been so many times where I'm like, I've got him. haha ha, they can't stop me. And I do something. And then the player's like, uh, right. Except it says it right on the card, dude. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> Yeah, so Cigar is great. Being able to fly for five in the air means you only need to add two power to get her to that critical seven power to yep. just uh, triple them. And she's already hexproof. Yeah, exactly. So all of a sudden, if you give her indestructible, all of a sudden, the only things that really get rid of her are mass bounce or mm-hmm. mass exile. Yeah. Ugh, so tough. Uh, Uriel, the Stalker. we've talked about a few times now. It's uh, two red, green, and a white, and he can't be the target that spells her abilities, and he gets plus two, plus two for each aura attached to it. So... He wants to get suited up. Um, big time. Big time. Yeah, you just put a plus one, plus one aura on him. He gets plus three, plus three total because he, it adds with his, his ability. That's insane. He just gets massive really quickly and he can't be targeted. Um, that's probably the most important part to have a really good Voltron commander is have Hexproof on the card.
2: Yeah, if it's got Hexproof on it already,
1: you're already just starting ahead of the game.
2: Yeah. Okay, so the last category that, that, they, that these Voltron commanders fall into is Utility Voltron. So... These are ones that can sort of play a little bit of toolbox. They can find answers. They can do interesting things. Mm -hmm. Bruna, Light of Alabaster, comes to mind. She is three, two white, and a blue. Man, Voltron commanders have some weird casting costs. Yeah, definitely. So that's six mana total for a legendary creature. Angel, Flying, Vigilance, 5-5. Whenever Bruna, Light of Alabaster, attacks or blocks, you may attach to it any number of auras on the battlefield. Not just yours, on the battlefield. And you may put onto the battlefield, attached to it, any number of aura
1: cards that could enchant it from your graveyard and or hand. That's insane. There's so many things you can do. And this also just says, hey, I'm great for the late game. Because if those auras fall off, don't worry. Next time I'm out and I swing again, I'm going to just get them all I get them all. Yeah. Yeah. She also just straight up takes any other auras that are on the battlefield. Yep. Just takes them from your opponents. Give me those. Yeah. Give me that. It's pretty pretty crazy. The staff she has in her picture, I think, is all. It looks just like the symbol for uh um for, Avacyn restored. Oh, it does. Yeah.
2: Oh, it, it does look like staff. I don't staff.
1: know what the the flavor is. I don't know anything in. about the story, but did Bruna and Avacyn have a fight and somebody got the staff? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Bruna is insane. Uh, very very powerful. Um, there's also Glissa, the traitor who we talked about with Craig. Um, it's, again, one of those weird casting costs. Black, green, green for a 3-3 legendary zombie elf first strike death touch. Whenever a creature an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. So it just has that utility of being able to get back stuff that may have gotten blown up, or even you have stuff that blows other stuff up, you know, like an Oblivion Stone or something. You oh, get yeah. It back.
2: That's great. Um, okay, one more. Thada Adele, Acquisitor. What's an Inquisitor? Someone that acquires, I suppose. (laughs) That's a good one, because she is a Merfolk Rogue, 2-2. She has 1 and 2 blue, has Island Walk, so a form of evasion. Whenever Thada deals combat damage to a player, search that player's library for an artifact card and exile it. Then that player shuffles his or her library until end of turn you may play that card. It's amazing. Well, and in this deck, you probably play a lot of cards that turn other lands into islands just to give her that evasion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Very interesting Voltron Voltron general, but can be super powerful also because you're basically getting card advantage. So that is a sort of more grindy Voltron strategy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about the general strategy for Voltron, but within that, you can definitely... Play like a Voltroni control deck if you want. That's the wonderful thing about our format. You don't have to just go straight straight down what the stereotype is. You can tweak it to your own, you know, play
1: style. Yeah, and one thing to note is don't skip over the basics when you are tweaking it to your play style. You're still going to need the essentials. The ramp is really important in Voltron, especially because your general is going to probably end up dying once or twice throughout the game. Card draw is really important because you're playing cards that specifically put you at card disadvantage, Um. Yeah. It's. It's. Don't forget the basics. A lot of times you'll see Voltron decks and like they don't have any wraths
2: Mm -hmm. because they're thinking, well, I don't want to kill my own Voltron. But the problem is games just don't go according to plan, and sometimes you're just behind. Yeah. And so if you don't have any wraths in your deck, sometimes there's just no way to catch up. So don't forget things like that. Um. yeah, Yeah. Don't forget like removal spells, pinpoint removal. You'll still want to play Chaos
1: Warp. You know, path to exile that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're going to need to be proactive in the game as well. Just because you are doing it with your commander doesn't mean that you should get rid of cards that will help you interact with the board in front of you that may be wrecking you. You know, one enchantment can come down and completely hose your strategy if you're not seeing if you don't you know try and have something to at least deal with it.
2: Um, something you brought up, which I think is really interesting and smart, is there's also cards that sort of change the game rules in your favor. Mm -hmm. So you're playing a deck that's going to play very few creatures sometimes only one creature so what are some cards that basically say you get rewarded for having only one creature
1: yeah silent arbiter caverns of despair dueling grounds they all essentially say the same thing which is uh, they change the rules of the game so that no more than one creature or two i guess in the term uh for dueling grounds can attack each combat and no more than one creature may block each combat so this also actually shuts down token decks if yeah. they're trying to go wide. It and makes it hard for somebody to come back at you when you leave yourself open because you attacked yeah. with your one big creature. They can't quadruple block it to make sure they kill your commander. They can only block with one thing. It's a really powerful effect, and there's a lot of different cards that do this sort of thing. Um, actually, that, actually I don't think there are that many cards. Yeah, Silent Arbiter, Caverns of Despair, Dueling Grounds are all uh, great examples of that. Uh, yeah, very smart. Just, like, anytime you're
2: building a deck, that's something to think about. Is like, what else am I doing? Well, I'm only playing one creature. Yeah. Okay, what cards out there might reward me for only playing one creature? Um, pretty cool. I like that. One thing to talk about here I wanted to mention was that when you're playing the Voltron deck, there's mm-hmm. I think your threat assessment has to be even better than most decks. Because a control deck, in general, is going to have diverse answers. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to at all times be like, who's the biggest threat? Who's the biggest threat? They can sort of see it. Oh, that he played that. Well, now he's the biggest threat. Voltron deck doesn't have that luxury because your response to some of that stuff is to kill that person. Yeah. Because you're not going to be able to play as many diverse answers. When we say make sure you have Chaos Warp and Path to Exile... That's true, but you can't have 10 of those cards in your deck. You can have only a couple because otherwise you don't have the ability to make your Voltron guy big enough to Mm -hmm. do what you're trying to do. It'll hurt your main plan. So you need to be able to identify, well, that guy is dangerous. My response is going to be to KO that person first.
1: Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Yeah, threat assessment, because if someone is playing the deck that just hard counters yours either with their commander or you just know the deck, you need to know who to go after first and also to make sure that they don't because one person having something that really beats your deck in Voltron means that everyone's beating you. It's yeah. hard to get out from under that.
2: Yeah, so you really need to be able I have to take out this person first, then this person and I can save this one for last. And a lot of that may not even have to do with cards, you may not know the player, mm-hmm. you know, you or it does have to do with cards, you know their deck, you know, or it's just how they started out. You just need to be very aware of what's on the board because again, your answer to
1: a lot of threats is actually swing at them and kill them. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. All right, let's talk about how to combat this archetype. Uh, we've mentioned a lot of these already, but we just sort of go over them for the last part of this episode. Cheap instant speed, targeted removal. We know about all these cards. Path to Exile, Swords to Plowshares, Chaos Warp, Utter End. Um, Utter End is actually a card that is really good at doing this because it's permanent. It's, it just gets rid of it. Can,
2: and in a worst-case scenario, you can get rid of the equipment. You can always yeah. get rid of something, the enchantment, You know, if you can't target the actual creature. So you, it does something. Chaos yeah. works the same in way. In general,
1: if it says you can get rid of a non-land permanent or in rare cases straight-up permanent, it's a great card because it is getting rid of stuff that, like an enchantment you can get rid of. And right. a Planeswalker, um, we should also mention Planeswalkers are uh, another great card for Voltron decks because in general, like a lot of them, will be able to buff up one specific thing to do yeah, something true. even better. true. Um, like Elspeth, Knight Errant. Yeah, gives it flying plus two, and, and flying. Yeah. yeah, so very powerful. Um, so yeah, building around your commander is a lot more intuitive in Voltron decks because you're just trying to like finely refine like the needle point of your deck to just go pop. <laughs> it's
2: just the needle. But yeah. when you're playing against it, you know we talked about the sandbagging episode. If you have Path to Exile in your hand, you don't necessarily use it on Rafik until you know Rafik's attacking you or until they cast that spell that's going to make Rafiq hexproof. Yeah. And then you go maybe like, okay, in response, I zap Rafik with Path to Exile. And also, like, you can get that extra card from them or at least a little mana when they go to equip it, mm-hmm.
1: you know, except for Lightning Greaves, which costs zero, so yeah. you're whatever. Well, you're still sort of stopping their entire turn because if their goal is to suit up one person and go at you with that and you get rid of that thing, then they're kind of left with the option of recast the general or... You know, lick their wounds.
2: And that's one of the things when playing against a Voltron deck is I don't try and defeat them, I try and slow them. Yeah. Because I know that if they're slowed, I'm favored in a longer game. Yep. So my whole goal becomes not how do I KO them,
1: how do I blunt them, and then KO will come. Yeah, you're not trying to KO the the deck that can KO you faster. You right. know, you're trying to just you're playing the ropes, right? You're kinda of holding them back. Yeah, you rope a dope. Yeah, rope a dope. Man, boxing um, analogies are so good. Yeah, especially for this. Uh, edict effects. We talked about this. Effects that cause your opponents to sacrifice a creature or you as well. Fleshbag Marauder. Um, Crackling a, Doom. Shieldred, Grave Pact. Stuff. Dictative Erebos. Yeah. These it's, are these cards sh- can shut down Voltron decks hard. These cards can shut down decks in general. It's true. Because it's really hard to... It's like a, a weird mechanic that sits in that gray zone where it's hard to interact with. Someone saying, you may must sacrifice something. It's like, crap. Well, I can't. Hexproof means nothing indestructibility means nothing right so all that only
2: cigarta means something only cigarta yeah uh counter magic mm-hmm. just we so often this is why counters are so strong they just they really do answer such a diversity of threats that they answer the token deck and they also answer the voltron deck yeah. that's why they're so good yeah control magic just steal the general sometimes yeah. yeah if they make it hex proof you can't but a lot of times if I keep saying Rafiq, let's choose a different one. If Shu Yun comes out and then you go steal Shu Yun, that deck might just be turned off. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're waiting... Depending on what kind of control magic you use, if it's an enchantment, they might be able to, God's willing, and get it off because give it protection. Mm-hmm. But if it's not enchantment-based, if it's some other way that you've taken it, it's going to be... You know, they might need a homeward path or something like it's yeah. gonna be very
1: hard yeah definitely yeah um there's also cards like righteous aura forest field um fog effects yeah just ways to stop the actual damage being dealt from being dealt um
2: fog effects are great what were we just talking about just slow down slow them down yeah slow them down slow him down the edge yep and good politics as always yeah this is something that i think i use as a strategy against voltron decks a lot and people should try which is that you always know like uh-oh he got umazawa jite onto his Rafik now next turn is very dangerous and i don't know who he's going to swing at and so a lot of times the right play is to look at that that voltron commander with the umazawa's on it and and look at your hand and look at it and look at your hand and just shake your head and just be like i can't afford to play anything because i don't know if you're gonna attack me with that yeah so i'm just gonna leave you and just say those things and now they know well, he's leaving mana because he's got some answer because otherwise he'd play something because it's stupid not to. He could waste his whole turn.
1: Yeah, exactly. Instead of just attacking, you know, they're going to immediately, in terms of when they threat Assess, like, who has no mana open? That person is easily the best target. If because someone, I can see everything they can do. Yeah. And if, if someone's like, I'm specifically holding stuff, don't swing at me. Otherwise, I, I mean, you can if you want, but I'm just going to have to get River General or whatever in response then that person's more likely and much happier to not combat you because they'll have a better target and it will benefit them to make the game tilt more in their favor.
2: And it's like Craig said in Voltron decks play this way. They're the junkyard dog. Once they've got that jaw locked on that first victim, yeah. they have to take care of that victim and before they can move on, because the worst thing that they can do is sort of hit this guy, hit that girl over there and hit this other player. And, what did that do? Remember, we're talking about clock. <laughs> we're talking about hitting this guy three times to knock him out. Well, if you just only hit him once and then you switch targets, your clock is all messed up.
1: Yeah, and everyone also hates you now. So yeah, that's you're never going to win that game if you do that as a Voltron. Yeah, definitely. All right, so that pretty much wraps up our Voltron discussion. There's a lot of cards and a lot of stuff that, of course, we did not cover. We'll make sure to, to read the comments and find out what we did get <laughs> to. Um, very importantly, let us know, guys, if there's cards or specific things that you think that are really important to Voltron, something that really has shaped how you play the deck or seen other people play it as well. And we can get the conversation going because this uh, this is definitely a very... It seems on the surface like it's not a very deep strategy. It's very complicated. It's very complicated, especially because sometimes the Voltron decks aren't playing for an early game. They're playing for a mid to late game strategy. Yeah, and, and, and
2: smart Voltron decks are built so that they, they are fast, but they also have an ability later to do sort of pivot slightly and still win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun archetype to play and to play against definitely one of the pillars of our format mm-hmm. and we'll definitely
1: try and uh, do a couple more voltron deck techs in the future because we've only done i think rafiq was the only one that really
2: i think we did Shu yun um yeah the rev came on and did Shu Yun. oh yeah that's right so you we've know got what? A couple. We've, we've done a couple yeah. never mind forget everything i said we're still gonna do more in the future <laughs> perhaps a deck doctors no promises no promises perhaps. no promises yeah uh t- okay time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic magic i've got something yes so there's this book series. I know I talk about books a lot, but this is actually going to turn into a thing about TV. So just oh, okay. stay with me. So there's a book series by Terry Brooks, uh, one of my favorite writers Terry when I was books. a kid. Terry Brooks. Uh, it's called the Shannara series. A lot of you, I'm sure, have heard of it. Um, sort of Shannara is a very famous sort of Tolkien ripoff. But then, <laughs> but but e- Terry Brooks started that way and then sort of built his world and then it becomes very not Tolkien-esque. Um, you know, it's still got his foot in it, but it's it's following its own storyline and its mm-hmm. own characters. And they're actually making a TV series oh. based upon the second book in the series, which is called Elfstones of Shannara. John Favreau, who is the director of the original Iron Man movies. Um, you remember him from like Swingers and, and a whole bunch of movies. Um, he's one of the producers on it. Um, maybe directed some of the episodes. I'm not sure. Oh, very cool. You can find on YouTube, if you look up the Sh- Ch- the Shannara Chronicles, mm-hmm. there'll be some sizzle reels and some previews and stuff. And also, Shannara books are published by our good friends at Delray Spectra. Oh. And they did not put me up to this end step. I just really am a fan of these <laughs> books. And I'm I'm thinking, actually, now that I said that, that we can probably... I'll talk to our guy at Del Rey. But I think probably in the coming weeks, we'll do a contest and we'll give away mm-hmm. um, maybe Elfstones of Shinar which is a great, great book. It's just about, you know, big battles and big Tolkien-esque uh, that's middle, cool. e- middle Earth type of, you know, demons and and magic and all kinds of stuff that people that play the game of magic will like. So anyway, check it out. Go on YouTube. Find the Shinar Chronicles. It's really cool. And it's a TV series that's coming out soon. Yeah,
1: it looks great. I'm I'm sort of just browsing through the teaser trailer for it. I think that was uh, spoiled at SDCC. And it looks really sweet. I'm always excited. I love fantasy. Yeah. I mean, anytime someone does this sort of stuff, it makes me excited. I mean, we wouldn't play the game of Magic the Gathering if we weren't into <laughs> fantasy. That's a very good point. Very good point. All right. Our sister podcast is The Masters of Modern. You can find them at the MMCast or at rocketjump.com slash the Cast. They talk about all things modern with Ben Bateman and Alex Kessler. They know what they're talking about. And uh, I've seen a lot of uh, threads pop up from Reddit and stuff. People are like, hey, what podcast should I listen to? And they're up there when it comes to recommendations for modern. So
2: For sure. Those guys have been killing it killing of late, it. I think, really. Uh, uh, improving every single week and that show's getting really really good yeah our editor is Eli Cuevas special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the Living Card animations you can find him at Living Cards MTG woo alright everybody thanks for listening and we'll see you next time peace thank you for your attention